brown, brown, driving me wild. It's a pretty brown, brown, driving me wild. Welcome to the rodeo, the rodeo show. And here we are, episode 36, episode 36. Um, If you follow me on social media, then you know that the news that I was referring to in the last podcast, episode 35, Reclaiming My Time and Energy, was that my book is now available on Amazon. Um, It's my first self-published book. I wanted to call it a memoir, but I'm not sure if it follows the rules um, for it to be a memoir because there are literary like rules for things to be considered certain things. So it is a creative nonfiction, meaning that is a true story. Um, all of the stories are true, but all of the names are changed about my life and my relationship with my parents. And it's really a look at generational trauma and epigenetics and how those things come together to manifest um, within a person. And so if you're curious, like what the hell is epigenetics? So epigenetics is kind of like if you've ever had an absentee parent and people say, oh, you laugh just like that person or you act just like that person. In many ways, that is epigenetics. It's like the phenotype as opposed to the genotype of a cell. It's like impressions on your DNA that don't actually change your DNA, but are inherited from person to person to person. So things or traits that aren't necessarily hereditary that are traveled from person to person. And so I took that scientific or pseudoscience, people will call it pseudoscience, um, but I took that idea and adapted it in a way that was more philosophical. And I thought about the things um, that were both seen and unseen that occurred in my parents' life that I ended up doing and then learning later in life that they had been through similar things or uh, the same exact things and I had no idea. And so a lot of times, you know, parents try and keep things from you or keep you away from things. And the harder they try and keep you away, it seems like the quicker you fall into those same behaviors or habits and um yeah and so was born the sins of my parents by me well kind of by me so I decided to write under a pen name um because my real name is not Ro Chidike but I decided to use Ro because um my close friend that I talked about on this podcast before that passed away, Stephanie, um, RIP to Stephanie Arazo, my really close friend that passed, but she always called me Ro. And so when I redesigned the website, at first I was going to go by Rodeo, which is what this uh, podcast is called, Rodeo Show. I was going to go by Rodeo, which was my high school nickname um, that a coach gave me. And kind of just stuck. And I was going to go by that. And uh, the website was going to have Rodeo in it in some way. But when she passed, I wanted to continue to honor her um, outside of just, you know, talking about her all the time. I wanted her to live in something else, something else that was really positive, something that I was stepping out and doing, um, even though I was afraid to, something that I got the courage to step out and do because of her. Um 
and her subsequent passing and let me it just showed me so many things about life not being guaranteed and like you know how somebody can live their full life every single day and be gone the next made me feel like it's so important for me to live my life fully every single day which I'm still working on because I'm still lazy but I try to live my fullest life or whatever scares me I try to just do it um because you know any at any given moment you could just not be here anymore and then what none of that fear none of those things really matter so I called it the Row Productions and then when I got into the PhD program which we also talked about on this podcast I mean y'all just be knowing my whole life like y'all really and y'all be listening, like I checked the numbers last week and I was like, oh, people actually listen to this, which is weird. But um, yes, I spent my whole life on this show and I try to be as honest as possible and as transparent as possible as I go through things and work through things because I think it helps other people or I hope it does or I hope you just see yourself. And I think just seeing yourself is enough sometimes just to know you're not alone and you're not crazy. But yeah, so... I was like, okay, when I got into the PhD program, there were some discrepancies with some of my outside dreams and goals that kind of conflicted with what they were looking for in the program, which is that I go into scholarship and I be a professor and things like that. And some of the other other goals that I had, they thought were in conflict with the program and that kind of became a little bit of an issue. So when I decided to publish my book, I didn't tell them I just decided to publish it under a different name. So when I do publish scholarship and academic writings and essays under either my MED or my PhD uh, programs, then the information won't get sullied by these creative things that I also want to do, which is why the website is Roe and not my full name and then why... I decided to write under a pen name. And so I chose Ro to, again, honor my friend who was talked about in the book as well. And then I was looking for a last name. And after doing my Ancestry.com report, I found out that I was mostly Nigerian. So I was just looking around at like some unique Nigerian last names. And this list of Nigerian names came up and I like picked all my baby names or whatever. <laughs> but um, there was one that was similar to my last name, same initials. And it started with a C. And it meant strength of God. And I felt that that was the perfect name for me to write under because a lot of the things that I do talk about um, in the book, I feel like I could not have gotten through those things without this otherworldly being pushing me through. And I think a lot of us may call that figure God and other other of us may call it the universe and or spirits, whatever you refer, uh, you know, Allah or whatever, like Jehovah, you know, whatever you guys refer to it as. It took the strength of that and knowing that there was something greater or bigger for me for me to get through a lot of the things that I went through in that book. And so when I saw that name and saw that it matched my initials, I said, OK, I'm going to write under Roche DK. Also, um. I had watched the documentary about uh, Maya Angelou and who is like my icon and idol. I look up to her in my whole heart and soul, Miss Maya. And I recognize that a lot of my favorite authors or political or civil rights leaders 
or figures, none of them really use their real name. Um, they give themselves a name. And so I was like, well, dang, like, if I would change my name to something as a writer, who would I want to be and why would I want to be it? And why would I want to embody that? And as you, if you read the book, you'll see what my relationship is with my father. And that's whose last name I have. And the older I got, well, when I was younger, I used to always ask my mom, um, why she never gave me her last name or like my familial last name. That was the same last name as my great grandmother and a lot of other people in my family. I always wished I had their last name because, you know, I spent most of my time with that part of my family and I always wanted their last name. But because of my father's circumstance, he also no longer has that, has the last name that I have. So I was like, now I'm the only person with this last name. But since I was a kid, I was determined to to change my name, but I was going to change the whole thing. Like I was determined since I was like six years old to change my name to Kim Coles, uh, because that was Sinclair's name on living single. And I don't know why I was obsessed with her, but I just loved how short, sweet, and simple her name was. Even as a kid, I was like, Kim Coles, that's what I'm going to change my name to. And my aunt, well, technically she's my great aunt, but she would always ask me, you know, like to be funny. Like, what do you say? What'd you say you're going to change your name to you get older? What do you say you're going to change? I said a lot of crazy stuff when I was a kid. I told my mom that if I wasn't married by 30, that I was going to have artificial insemination when I was like 13. And she was like, where, where did you hear that? Where did you even learn about artificial insemination for you to be able to talk about it with, you know, so much conviction and, and expertise. And I was like, yeah, girl, sex in the city, you know, catch up on it. Um, that's what you get for having a TV in your room as a kid. But yeah, so I was determined to change change my last name or my first and last name. But now, you know, I have an affinity to my first name. But I just prefer if like my family and close friends and, you know, they call me by my first name. And then this other life that I am when I'm being creative, I would just prefer people just call me Ro. It's easier, it's short, and it's, you know, personal in a different way. And then the last name change, of course. So I'm like really excited to at some point legally change my name to that. But I'm just going to wait this whole like dating thing out to see if I get married or whatever. Then I feel like I want myself and my husband to choose. This is like getting way off topic, but I'm going to I'm going to bring it back around. But I want my husband and I to choose a joint last name uh, for us to go on as as a married couple that is special to us in some way, something we both agree on, and thus creating a legacy for our children to carry on a last name that is built on our own merits, on our own esteemed Black excellence and uh, Black scholarship and just Black love and not continue to have our kids carry on our slave-assigned names. And I know that sounds like role, hotepi. I understand, but I was doing a racial justice uh, facilitation and somebody was talking about racial violence and they were like, even the fact that I have to sign a name every day on a piece of paper, that that is a reminder of slavery and how, you know, we're not far away from that. Like this last name does not really belong to us. It was given to us as property like you are a property and this is the name on that property and we continue it on all of these years later and when they said that I said well dang like 
That is really true. I never thought about that, but that's something I can change for my kids and have them, you know, always be reminded of where they come from, but not in the way that it has to be oppressive for them, but hopefully more freeing for my kids. But yeah, that went scoop, scoop, left. And now I'm bringing it scoop, scoop back around. So yeah, so that's why I decided to write under a pen name, long story long. And that's began the book. So five years ago in 2012, I was in the midst of a lot of the things that was happening that you'll read about when you buy the book, The Sins of My Parents, off of Amazon. Um, I was in the midst of all of it, in the thick of it, like really in the gutter dirt of it. And I told my mom I was going to write a book. And she said, okay, like, yeah, I think that's a really cool idea. I think that'll be great. And at the time when I was thinking about writing the book, it was really just something for me to kind of talk through or write through what was going on so I could try and get a better understanding of how I had gotten to where I had gotten. Like, how did I get to this point? I thought writing about it would help me see a full, a more, a fuller picture of what was going on. And so I started writing the first couple of pages and then things got worse in my life and I just stopped. I just was like, I can't even, like, I'm not even interested in doing this anymore. I have no idea um what to even say like it's still happening I'm not out of it I'm still very much in it and so I stopped writing the book and then I moved to Texas years later and I started a life there um and then I started my website and so when I was bringing the website back around I was planning for it I revisited the idea of the book but I couldn't find the original pages at first I just couldn't find the the file um and so I started over from the beginning and I was just gonna have it be something that I wrote for the website chapter a couple chapters here and there and then just finish it out on the website for like 99 cent or something per chapter and what ended up happening was I felt really exposed like by chapter three I kind of just felt like people weren't people were looking at the chapters as blog posts and not chapters in a book. And they were commenting on my Facebook page, like under the post about what they had read instead of like keeping the conversation central to the website. They are bringing it into my Facebook post and the tone of those messages were like, oh, I'm so sorry you went through that. Oh, I'm so sad for you. And I'm like, okay, if I were still in all of these things that I'm talking about, I wouldn't be talking about them publicly. I would probably be dealing with them privately. Like, I wouldn't be posting about it on a blog. Like, I'm okay. I'm fine now. Of course, I'm still growing and learning and working through a lot of the things that happen. But, like, generally, I'm fine. And so that kind of put me off and turned me off from writing the book. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to write the whole book in its entirety so people can digest the full story and stop, like, messaging me chapter after chapter. And that was the plan. But then I started school and got really busy. And then I was like, I'm not going to do it. Nobody cares. Like, then it's not that big of a deal. If, like, if I don't finish it, nobody's going to care. And me and my friend Ray, shout out to Ray, um, who does uh, Nourished Women, we talk about this all the time. Like, when we get discouraged, we're always just kind of like, if we stop doing it, will anybody care? Well, like, nobody's going to care. And I swear to you, every time I ask that question out loud, 
I get a sign from the universe saying like, actually people do care. And so what ended up happening was my mom would just periodically call me and be like, people at my job keep asking me where the book is. Like, where's the book? Then I would go home for like Thanksgiving break or Christmas break or New Year's, whatever the case. And my family family would be like, well, when are you going to finish the book? I heard about these chapters. I read these chapters. Or family friends would come over and they would be like, hey, I was reading your chapters. What happened to the book? And so... I sat down in class, well, like one of those days where I wasn't paying attention in class, and I outlined the book again. And then a couple weeks later, I heard a podcast on The Friend Zone, which I always tell you guys to listen to, and they were talking about epigenetics. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what it is. Like, that's exactly what my life has been. And so... I circled back around and then like re-outlined the book. And mind you, I'm not writing anything. I'm just outlining. And I would say like I outlined the book probably 10 times, like chapter names and what I wanted to be in each chapter and roughly how many pages I wanted each chapter to be. Like I obsessively did this to kind of keep myself from actually writing it. Like I was definitely stalling to a large extent. And so I do all of this, you know, whatever. And then... I finally am just like, okay, I'm going to write this book. So throughout the years, like thoughts and things would come to me and I would just write them as notes in my cell phone. And so I started compiling all those notes together. I sat down, I had a couple glasses of wine and a couple glasses of wine. And then I just started writing. I just started writing. And the first book of the book kind of just poured out and then... It was so draining, I stepped away for a couple of more days. And then my friends convinced me to go back to it. So then I went back. I wrote another 12 hours, 12 to 14 hours straight. And it just poured out again. And then I stepped away for like another three days. And then I found the file of the old stuff that I have written. So then I tried to incorporate that back into it. And then I spent one final stretch of like 16 hours straight writing and the book was done so technically I wrote the book over a course of three days not consecutive three days but three days total and then I sent it to a friend to be edited sent it to another friend to be edited had Bay read it and edited sent it to uh friends who who the friend who I wanted to write my forward And then sent it to the guys that were discussed in the book, had long, drawn-out conversations, which once you read the book, I'll talk more about that, with all of those parties. And then got the edited copies of the book back, made all the changes, and then sat there staring at it. And I thought, well, it's off the to-do list. It's a goal accomplished. And that's good enough for me. Like, that's literally what I thought. And I kind of just felt like I wasn't going to um, release it. Like, I did what I came to do. I wrote, I came, I saw, I conquered, like Jay-Z would say. And now I'm done. That's really how I felt. And so, yeah, I almost didn't put it out. So then I just, I was telling my mom, and she was like, girl, we done went through all of this, like, I told my girlfriends, the least you can do is just put it out. And so in the middle of the night, I submitted it and that was it. Then I had the link 
to Amazon for like three days before telling anybody that it was there and that it was done and now it's out and now you guys can buy it and now it's on Amazon and it's a real thing and that's my journey to releasing this book and so that's pretty much what it's about it's really about the life of my mother briefly like I briefly discussed the life my mom had prior to having me and then our relationship and then I briefly discussed the life my father had before having me And then our relationship. And then I let those two funnel into my formative years and things that I had gone through up until I moved to Texas. And so a lot of people, when they finished it, um, were pretty angry with me. They were like, oh, my God, like that was I feel like there's what's next? Like and I'm like, you know me, you know what's next. Like you have been here all of these years. You know exactly what comes next. Um. But they felt like they they wanted more. They wanted me to talk more about my experiences in Texas. They wanted me to talk more or speak on my current relationship. And I decided not to do that for multiple reasons. One was those things just happened. Like, I just left Texas. Um, Like, literally just left. I just started school. Again, I just I'm still in contact with my students and my kids and I'm still very much last year. I was still very much involved with schools in general and my current relationship. I'm still in it. So a lot of those things I'm still currently living. And so I don't feel like I'm far enough away from it or distance enough from it to really give an accurate depiction of what it means in the scope of my life. Because I don't know what these moments mean in the scope of my life yet. I haven't lived them long enough to make that declaration. I would feel it would feel inauthentic for me to declare some larger meaning about something that happened a year ago. And I'm still kind of in it like I don't know what the larger meaning is so I didn't want to speak on that I also didn't want because heart of hearts honestly I wrote this book for my kids like my by my kids I mean my students I still call them my kids because they're always my babies um but I wrote this for them and I wrote this for like seniors in high school juniors in high school it's a little explicit but people that don't teach will think it's not appropriate for high schoolers people who do teach will know that it is um But I wrote it for them. And the last thing I wanted my young girls to read was that some man or some relationship saved me. That was just not the message that I wanted to send. I also didn't want to send some message that you go through all these things and then you wrap life up in a bow. And then it's all great and it looks good. And you ride off into the sunset like a goddamn fairy tale because... I suffer from that syndrome myself, you know, never seeing romantic relationships that were healthy, that lasted. The only place I learned about relationships were from movies and from books. And in the movie, the guy gets the girl or the girl gets the guy and they live happily ever after. And you never see them working on their relationship. You never see them working through the things that, you know, push them to almost not be together it's always just wrapped up in some nice little monologue and then they ride off into the sunset. So I had no conception of what a, a everyday relationship looks like when you're in it with one another every single day, fighting 
for your relationship, fighting for each other, being there for one another through good times, bad times, and indifferent times. Um, when you're bored, when you're broke, when you know you're hot, you're tired, you're irritable, all of those things like that happens every day. That's what being in a relationship is every day, and it's not a fairy tale, and it's not a rom com. Even though some days it feels like that, it's not that, right? And so I didn't want to contribute to that by writing a story and having my young girls think, and then she found the love of her life and they lived happily ever after. I don't know if this is the love of my goddamn life. Like we've been getting through these two years. I mean, getting through um, these two years. And when you read the book, you'll understand like, I don't become healed overnight. None of us do. It takes time. It takes work and it takes patience with yourself and for your partner to also have patience with you. And they come with their own stuff. Nobody comes to you in a relationship as a blank slate. And so they bring their stuff to a relationship as well. You have to work through that. You learn that you love differently based on how you were raised. You receive love differently based on how you were raised. And that's pretty much what I talk about in my book, but my spouse comes with those same things. And so we're getting through the two years. It's not like we are married and have a family and I'm writing this book. Like, no, I don't know yet. And even if we were married, we could get divorced. And then what message does that send? Who knows? So it's like, I did not want my young ladies to rest their healing in another man, in another woman, in another person outside of themselves. And I wanted them to take away from the book a lot of things, but one thing I can say that won't give away the premise of the book is that is it's it's you at the end of the day. You know, like you're your biggest fan, you're your best friend, you are the person who knows you in and out because you've been you the longest and you've been there through all of the things that you've been through. You are the constant in your own life. And it only it only needs you to be there for you essentially to help you heal like you need you you may need people to bounce things off of sometimes to speak out loud you may need therapy but at the end of the day what a therapist is there to do is help you facilitate taking action and and taking control of your own life like that is what that person is there to do and so therapists come in professional forms like actual license therapists and sometimes that is a spouse and sometimes that is a friend or sometimes that is a parent but sometimes it's just you being alone by yourself naked in your room who are you like how do you love how do you want to be loved what do you like what does love look like for you what does happiness look like for you what does success look like for you like you have to figure all those things out for yourself and no nobody's gonna be able to do that for you but you and so I wanted to make sure that my kids got that or any young girl that's reading gets that it's like no nobody came and saved me and nobody's coming to save me and nobody's coming to save you you are going to save you you are both a wolf and a sheep and that's okay and so that um was why I didn't discuss my relationship in the book and why I didn't talk about my experience in Texas with teaching because that did completely change my life. Like being a teacher became literally the precursor to everything in my life having a different meaning and me deciding that I wanted to be what I spoke about. I wanted to be a reflection of what I 
I preached in my classroom. So like my mom would always say, practice what you preach. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to practice what I preached. And so I started to change slowly, but I got there for my students. And it was kind of like having kids. Like people change when they have kids. I changed when I became a teacher. So that book, if you know, you'll read the dedications there in the dedications because it was for them too. Um, really, really tailored for my young girls to see. I also felt that it was important for them to see somebody who they looked up to and had a lot of respect for. Um, they, I feel like it was important for them to see my life and see that I came from where they came from. Like we not, we didn't, we're not from the same place, of course, but like, I grew up in a rough neighborhood, too. I grew up in a single-parent household, too. I grew up with an estranged relationship with my father, too. Like, I had very similar life events as they did, but because I was where I was, they thought that that was impossible. Like, nobody who went to college and had this great career from their—this is from their vantage point— Somebody who went to college and had this great career couldn't have possibly gone through what they've gone through. And so sometimes when I would try and talk to them about things, they'd be like, Miss, you just don't understand. Like, you've never been through anything like that. And I would laugh like, oh, child, like, you don't know what I've been through (laughs) at all. It's been rough. And so I started being more vocal and more honest with them about what I had been through so they could see, like, no, it's possible. Like, how bad do you want it? You know, like, it's going to be hard. Like, it's going to be hard. It's going to continue to be hard. And the fact that they're of color makes it even harder. And so you have to want it so bad that you take different pathways to get it. And it doesn't look perfect. And it's never going to look perfect. And it's not easy. And it's not pretty and glamorous. It's, it's hard work and it's sweat and it's tears and it's all of those crazy things. And so I wanted them to also see that and it was so funny to me when they would say that because I would be like I didn't go to school for this like I in my mind I'm failing like in my mind I'm literally failing at life because when I came to be a teacher that wasn't on the bucket list that wasn't in the plans that I had set out for myself I had paid 60 upwards of 55 60 grand a year to get a degree in public relations and psychology, but I was too scared to actually take a career in PR. And so ended up doing a HR career that I didn't like. And then that set me into being a teacher, which completely changed my life. I didn't know it was going to change my life. But when I walked into that classroom, I felt like a failure. I felt like these kids deserve somebody better than me, somebody more qualified than me, somebody who wants this is, you know, more than I do. And what they show me is that none of that is important, you know, but still like financially, I wasn't making what I wanted to make. I wasn't living the life. I thought I would be living by that age. You know, you guys heard that in the birthday episode last time, you know, I thought my life would look completely different. I was prepared for my life to look completely different and it didn't. And so in my mind, I was a failure. I wasn't taking care of my mom. Like Cardi B say, I didn't play my mom. I didn't pay my mama bills. You know, sometimes but I wasn't paid as many as I would like. I wasn't taking care of my mom yet. And that's the goal. And I still feel like I haven't made it until my mom has a house that I bought for her. Like that's when I know that I've done something, even if it means putting down the down payment and just keeping up with the mortgage, you know, that just being able to change my mom's life the way she's 
been intricate and changing mine is like the end goal. So even with this book, even in being in the PhD program, even with everything that people consider an accomplishment, my entire life, people have seen so many things that I've done as accomplishments, graduating, all that stuff. And I've always felt like I'm not doing enough. Like, okay, what else though? Like, and then when I finished the book and I posted it, I thought to myself, like, now what? Like, what are you, what are you doing now? Like, what's the next thing? And because you're still not doing enough. Like, you're not doing enough. There's girls your age. There's boys your age doing so much more. Like, what are you really doing? Like, you're not giving back enough. You're not uh, successful enough. You're not making enough money. You're still struggling. Like, what is the deal? And I just decided to just breathe and just enjoy it. Like, allow people to congratulate me and allow myself to receive it. And allow myself to not get complacent in this moment, but to live in this moment and accept the, you know, congratulatory remarks with gratitude and sit in it and just sit in it and be okay with that. Because in a couple of weeks, I'll be starting this program full, like full throttle. And that's going to be my main focus. And that's going to be me also proving myself and making sure that I'm doing more than enough every single day. And so I want to take the next couple of weeks just to enjoy that. So yeah, that's a word for me and a word for you, for everybody who feels like they're not doing enough, who may see um, my book and be like, damn, what am I doing? Or sometimes people come to my apartment and like, damn, what am I doing looking at their life and stuff? And it's like, we're all doing what we can do at the moment. And we're all doing what we're supposed to be doing in the moment and we're all exactly where we're supposed to be right now and so some people are further ahead some people may be a little bit further behind but at the end of the day we're all right where we're supposed to be as long as we're still fighting and working towards our end goal then we're right where where we're meant to be to learn what we need to learn to move forward and I never want people to think that I have it all together because child good night because I don't got enough I don't know what nothing is and I think that's what's so exciting about getting older is that I don't know but now I know what I don't know you know like I now know I feel like I'm finally at a point in my life where I know exactly what I don't know and I'm taking time to acquire the knowledge for the things that I don't know so that I can know them and then Maybe in the next year, I'll be applying the knowledge that I acquired. But right now, I'm still like, okay, I don't know that. And I'm okay with not knowing. And when you're young or younger, you're like, I know everything. I know everything. And then life keeps smacking you in the face. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. And then you finally accept, actually, I don't know anything. But you don't, the word anything, you're not pinpointing what you exactly don't know. But then you get to a certain age, you're like, no, it's not that I don't know anything. It's that I don't know about these things. Like, I don't know. I just don't know. And you recognize that it's okay to say, I don't know. And I honestly wish more people would learn that, especially when you're calling, this is a sidebar, but especially when you're calling customer service or something, ma'am or sir, just say you don't know. Instead of giving me false information, just say, I don't know. Because that's okay, too. And at least you're not giving me wrong information. If you don't have the answer, say, I don't know. And so I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm comfortable with saying, I don't know. I don't know. Like, people ask me questions. I'm like, oh, I don't know. 
When when are you gonna write another book? I don't know. Like, uh, what are you gonna do next? I don't know. When you get, I don't know. When you go heck, I don't know. <laughs> Girl, I don't know. I don't know any of those things, and I'm okay with not knowing them. And when it's right for me to know, I'll look into it, and then I'll apply that knowledge, and then I'll know. But until then, I just don't know. And yeah, I, I don't know, and so I don't have it all together. And I have I accomplish things just like everybody else accomplishes things in their day to day life. I just happen to make my accomplishments public, just like, you know, I got to a point when writing the book and I was like, who cares? Like, who cares about my story? Nobody cares. Like, there are people that I know who have more interesting lives than me, have been through way more things than I've been through and gotten through it. And then I, you know, I had to just say, like, well, I'm inspired to write mine down. And that doesn't make my life more intriguing or more special or more anything than anybody else's life. Everybody, every single person that walks this earth has a story to tell, a very interesting story to tell about their life. And a select few few of us decide to write it down. And sometimes that looks like a memoir. Sometimes it looks like a nonfiction novel. Sometimes it looks like a fiction novel. Sometimes it looks like a screenplay. Sometimes it looks like a pilot. Like, sometimes it looks like a painting. Like, we all get our life stories out in different in different ways. And I chose to write mine in a book, but that doesn't mean that I think my life is any more special, more or less special than anybody else's. And so I really had to convince myself of that, too. Like, answering that question of who cares, somebody. Like, even if one person enjoys it and are able to gain something from it and apply that to their life, then I saved somebody having to go through things that I had gone through. And I only went through them because I didn't know. And I didn't know what I didn't know, but I thought I knew everything. And so I was out here maneuvering through my life. Like I had adulting all figured out and I found out that I completely did it. So that's my story about the book and how it became uh how it came from thought to fruition and why I decided to put it out and just don't want to give too many things away for those of you that are still buying your books. Um, I thought last week was pay week. So I did it on Monday. Like I released the book on Monday, but now I'm finding out from everybody that this week is pay week. And so tomorrow and Friday are payday. So for those of you that are still um, waiting to get your copy, you can go to amazon.com and search the sins of my parents. It's like the second option right now. Once you read it, please tell us what you think by rating it on Amazon, giving it stars and a review. I would really, really greatly appreciate that. I really, truly want to hear you guys' feedback um, and thoughts. If you don't leave it in the review, which I please, please do, but if you want to say more than what's in the review, uh, email me at contactrow at theroadproductions.com. And again, that's C-O-N-T-A-C-T-R-O at T-H-E-R-O productions with an S dot com. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell um, another friend to buy the book. Uh, We have a book contest running until 9-11 or 9-11. I'll announce the winner. Uh, The book contest is basically the first person to tag us on Instagram a picture of them and five of their friends who purchased the book uh, because, you know, based on their advice or whatever to buy the book, 
tags us on Instagram, and then emails us the same pictures to contact row at the com. We'll win an expense paid, all expense paid dinner for them and their, um, for them and myself and my mother. And they'll get to talk about the book, ask questions, firsthand conversations. They'll also get their book signed and they'll receive a gift basket um, of goodies and treats from myself and my mother. And so that's the contest. Like again, um, it runs until 9-11 and that's when we'll announce the winner and yeah so that's all of the things with the book again you can always like rate repost uh, write reviews for the podcast as well on apple or on soundcloud tag me tag me tag me tag me uh in all of your pictures of the book whether it be on instagram or on facebook um you can on facebook you can tag the real productions page on Instagram, you can tag T Rodeo Show and just show me pic- pictures of you with your copy of the book. Um, we're working on getting a book signing date set up in Philadelphia. Um, for those of you who want to enter the contest that are not in Philadelphia or DC or in New York, you can still enter the contest. Um, I will still pay for your meal and then hopefully I'll just Skype in. If I can't fly in, I could just Skype or FaceTime in and be able to enjoy that dinner with you. Um, or I can Uber eat some, like, you know, a nice little meal to your house or some Postmates and then we can talk on the phone, girl, and gab it up. And then I'll send you a signed copy of the book. If you're in another city or state outside of that area, Philly, New York, Jersey, Delaware, you know. D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And yeah, and so I'll leave you with a little tidbit about the book before I sign off and wish you guys an awesome weekend and happy reading and keep posting and all that good stuff. Um, and it's, my parents' various addictions taught me about vices and mine was love. I loved love. It didn't always love me back, but what would I be without it? I was addicted. And so that's a little piece that I'm going to leave you with before you get your copy of the book. For everybody that already purchased the copy, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for buying it, for posting about it, for being exciting about re- excited about reading it, for telling people to buy it. I truly, truly, deeply from the bottom of my, bottom of my heart appreciate the continued support from people that I've known throughout my life. And I feel like it's um, it's a reflection of how I've treated people even when I was in my worst spaces. You know, I've always tried my best to be kind to others and respectful, if not kind, to everybody. And that runs deep in me to this day. And so when I see people that I haven't spoken to in years uh, buying the book, I'm reminded that a little kindness goes a long way and support goes a long way. And I appreciate people supporting me because I'm always going to be a supporter of people, especially my people. So that's why I say always support people and their products. Always pay them with their worth. Always pay them for their art and for their products because blood, sweat, tears, and everything goes into that, especially when you're just getting started. So never ask for the hookup. Like, ain't no hookup, girl. The most we can do is the barter system. If you can't afford to pay for a service, respectfully let that person know that you cannot pay, but that's not a reflection on them or their work, but that's just just not in your budget. You know, never tell somebody that you don't think that their work or 
their talents are worth what they're asking you for because you don't know what people have to go through to produce those things. And when you buy from a major company, you're paying for an assembly line, you're paying a multi-billion dollar company a few dollars to do something, and there's millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people who work within that organization and these small businesses is just them. So it is going to take longer. There are going to be mistakes, but you're going to get something truly authentic, truly, truly somebody's blood, sweat and tears on or within a project. And so, you know, that's something to be honored. And that's why I always support people in whatever they're doing. If I can, because, you know, I stay. I stay broke, girl. But if I can help when I'm in a financial position to do so, I definitely do um, love to support. And so I really want to thank everybody who coughed up that $14.95 to buy the book. And for those of you who can't afford it and you still want to support, just repost the book um, or post about it, you know. And I completely understand because I know how, you know, life gets. So even if you can't buy it, just repost it. And then again, thank you to everybody for your support, for your love, for everything. Simply everything. And I look forward to hearing you guys' thoughts on the book. As always, it's been real. Love, light, and black rights. Have an awesome weekend. Be safe. Make good choices. And yeah. Buy my book on Amazon, The Sins of My Parents. <laughs> Have a good one. Brown, brown, driving me wild. It's a pretty brown, brown, driving me wild. Welcome to the rodeo, the rodeo show.